Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Flowpath. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of having Todd Juilliard join the show. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing well. We were just uh, talking here offline about the weather, and uh, it is, a, uh, I guess, a pretty uh, generic conversation to have, but we're both enjoying this fall weather. It's beautiful here in Atlanta, and you mentioned that you're up in, uh, in Michigan and uh, this is the prime time before it hits, uh, hits the winter and the dead of winter up there. So uh, I, I can't complain here. But once again, thanks for, uh, for coming on the show. And before we, we get into the bulk of the conversation, why don't you give the audience a little bit of context on who you are and what it is you do? Sure. Um, I've, uh, I'm an architect by trade, but I've uh, been in the project, project like management and now in the studio uh, leadership role. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, how did you, you know, what made you want to be like an architect? And, um, uh, you know, strangest thing is I wanted to be an architect since I was 10. I just like to draw house plans and things of that sort. And then when I turned it into, uh, to more of like a college career piece of it, it was, uh, striking how different and how, uh, diverse the role can be. A lot of times we're, um, you know, listed as a space uh, like experts or something of that sort. I, I don't want to call myself that, but um, sometimes we're asked to help out with different types of projects. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great journey and something that I would have never thought that, uh, you know, because a lot of folks ask, you know, what do you do? You know, do you draw all day long? Well, not exactly. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like other sides to it. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's incredible that, I mean, for most of your life, you've wanted to have this career path and you actually went through and executed on it. Yeah. I mean, we've talked careers and facilities management uh, multiple times throughout the podcast, and uh, most folks kind of fall backwards into it. And, and here you are uh, having had this dream as a child and actually lived it out, uh, which is pretty rare. Yeah, so at like HED, where I um, where where I'm a studio uh, leader, we're a we're a full uh, service uh, uh, architectural land engineering firm. We're nationwide um, headquarters here, like in uh, the Detroit like area. Um, but we've been around since 1908 uh, with a myriad of names, uh, and right now we're HED, simple, uh, you know. <laughs> Correct, but for the most part, um, we we do pretty much any type of project um, in the like industrial. Uh, we do work in the workplace. Uh, also, do some work uh, within the higher ed, what as well as uh, mission cr- cr- critical work. So, uh, yeah, with our nine like offices around the country, um, we're able to support like our clients. Got it. Very cool. Well, today I know we're going to be uh, diving into really the impact of COVID from from your perspective. I know we've had several guests talk to the impact of COVID on facilities management in general, but uh, this is not necessarily looking behind at, at the impact, but looking ahead as far as uh, how it is going to change and the way we operate within facilities and having the unique perspective as an architect here. 
Um, I, I think that is going to be something that it will have another piece of the puzzle uh, brought to the table. And so uh, with that, I'll throw it to you really quickly on, on what you've noticed changing here over the last couple of years. Uh, I'll put in air quotes once again, the post-COVID or post-pandemic world that we're living in. Sure. There's there's actually like a couple things, and it kind of spans um, from uh, from a workplace all the way through manufacturing and uh, some of like the warehousing needs. Uh, right now, uh, when COVID first hit, like obviously, the, you know, there was that whole like, well, you can't, you know, certain certain jobs that don't require you to be on site. Um, you know, we're getting like out of the hospital world and. And like the healthcare, but for the office worker, it it really kind of shocked, you know, sent, sent like shockwaves across the telecom industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so as new leases have come up for renewal, clients have called up saying, you know, we need to really like evaluate our space. You know, um, we're doing this, you know, the hybrid work thing, or we're doing complete um, uh, work from home, or it could be something of a mix. And we just don't need the space that we did before. And uh, then, 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 like on the flip side, the landlords are coming back back to us saying, "Well, we have all this like office space. What do we do with it?" Um, and there's been a couple um, like interesting uh, points to that. Is you know, can we convert this office space to let's say lab and research space? Like obviously, it costs more. Um, to renovate a space, but a lot of times it's like, yeah, you know, it's a great idea. And you may have some long-term like tenant that wants to come in and do something great. Um, The other part of that is just, you know, the office, you know, what itself, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's not, you know, it's a very necessary thing. A lot of um, uh, studies have come out about the, the, um, uh, you know, the requirement to have the collaboration so that you know, you know, get people back into the office to spend some time there, um, and it's been you know important um, on the warehousing side. You know that last mile uh, shipping. You know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if it's down in the Atlanta, but I'm sure it is. Uh, all the warehouses that that just seem to pop up, and those you know, one point two to three million square feet have been um, starting to you know to to develop because it's the whole idea of being able to go online and order something very quickly and it's at your house within a, a few days. Um, so not only some of the major retailers, some of the smaller ones are starting to get involved involved, involved in this. And it, it's really started to change the brick and uh, mortar uh, mentality of stores because they've gone to to like an online. So um, warehousing space has been huge. So um, yeah, I wouldn't see it uncommon for maybe some something that used to be a like office turning into major major like warehouse space. And we have to remember too that that the warehouses of today are way different than they were. You know, let's say mm-hmm. even ten uh, years ago, you know, um, a lot of them are starting to go to more of like an automated systems, um, where it's um, you know more of the um, uh, you know y- you know where the users of the warehouse can actually ha- access the um, uh, products much quicker, and there's a whole um, part of the logarithmic of what gets ordered, what gets shipped, what gets placed like on the shelves. It's been pretty like interesting, really. Yeah, no, and that's it, interesting that you bring that, and especially the manufacturing space, um, to 
to the conversation here because that is something where we see in a corporate office, as you mentioned, that's pretty common where we are now seeing more and more folks that are uh, working remotely or at least in a hybrid uh, type model. But uh, that is really interesting on the manufacturing side because that industry has changed. I mean, there's been a huge impact on the supply chain. Uh, You have, I mean, we're all dealing with uh, struggles in labor. And so uh, getting creative with that manufacturing space, not only to deal with those factors, but also the changing in the industry uh, when the consumer is just, they have that flat expectation. I think Amazon Prime has really had a, uh, an impact on the way we purchase things is that Correct. we need it. We need it right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, to mirror onto the manufacturing side, that's a whole nother uh, conversation, but it's really, uh, you know, we've been seeing a huge change and, um, and really kind of a huge shift. And I think we're, at, we're really like, I would say we're kind of like at the beginning, like of it. Um, this whole idea of like, you know, when we when we like onshore products more often rather than going like overseas to to, you know, to to get the product and have it shipped. One thing that the pandemic did show was how vulnerable that is, you know, that whole, you know, worldwide like network is so vulnerable. And uh, when I was reading an article about uh about how like shipping costs like you know tripled right and how that had a huge impact on the bottom line when they went to go bring something in so it really started to bring this whole idea of like wow we can actually build the product here and maybe it's a more cost effective Mm -hmm. um we can get it quicker you know um you know you know you know the speed the market you know you know i mean you've heard all, all these things as well but it's just it seems like it's becoming more and more uh, you know what important to think about about these things when you want to tr- truly invest in, in in the United States. Um, another point to, to bring up is um, the the importance of even uh, not not only like North America or uh, you know like the United States, but North America like as a whole. We're talking like Mexico and Canada. Um, I mean, they're really just across the border, and um, and the importance of investing there as well. Um, so I think we're going to see a pretty big change in, in a manufacturing more, more, more than we like already have. Um, I know here, like in Detroit, like obviously it's been a big buzz about, um, you know, obviously uh, electric uh, light vehicles and how that's really changing the like, the, the, like industry. Um, really, I, you know, what I've used a term called, um, you know, we're, we're literally at the electric light revolution. I mean, I mean, things have changed so much that, um, every way that, that you used to build a vehicle is completely different. Um, you know, from the, from, from like, from, from like an engine, then a powertrain. Now the rest of the vehicle is still built the same way with, you know, stamping and, you know, you know, you know, like paint shops and, the assembly, but for most part, everything in that drivetrain is very different than it used to be. And that's going to cause uh, some uh, disruptions, of course, to supply chain, but it's also going to make a big change to every facility that currently builds an engine or a transmission or something that, that goes into the to the vehicle, you know, what is going to have to be rethinked and retooled and possibly rebuilt. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where you know, I think the architect uh, can can be a big help to the owner to to help plan those things out for the future. Yeah, and on that, let, let's switch gears here to 
that relationship. So typically you have your facilities manager, that team that is managing the day-to-day operations, which to your point is going to be changing rather quickly. It already has been changing. Where does the architect come into play in that relationship between operator of the building and the actual architect? You know, it's a good uh, point. Um, in fact, I just uh, wrapped up a, a blank article that's going to be published in November for a local uh, blank magazine here in Detroit called 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 Cam. Uh, you know, it's the you know it's the you know you know it's really like a construction. Um, you know, and how of how the you know of how the uh, the architect can can build um, or or can help build a safer project. And it all has to do with the users of the building, um, getting us involved early, and through our three D D like modeling that we do, like within a, uh, uh, like a building early in the design before anything is even built or even thought, you know thought, thought about being built, we can show had a rather um, you know uh, you know diagrammatic to 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 even a more realistic uh, uh, view. Of exactly what what that person is going to get. So, um, take for like a, for like instance, rooftop equipment. Um, we can show that pretty like early and show like where the you know uh, where the shutoff valves are, where where all the equipment is, just so there's no you know no no surprises when when the project gets built. But you know, what the same can go for for valves and like anything that. What a manager needs to to operate a facility, and it could be you know again I'm probably leaning more onto the like industrial side, but it could be like any type of building. You know what they still have to be maintained, they still have to be used. There's still there's still a level you know what of human like interaction, and and we can we can assist that process. And you know when in fact uh, we love to hear hear feedback. We love to hear. You know, you know, it would be better if we place this this element here because it's going to save us way more time, or uh, it's going to be like easier for us to change. Um, and one of the biggest pieces, like of that, is being like able to be flexible, um, and you can do that early in the design. Once once concrete's poured and steel's up and bricks being laid, it's very expensive and very difficult to make a change. Yeah, I think that goes back into and a callback into episode 60 with Hunter Sheehan when we were talking to the importance of the relationship but from beginning, the, the concept of a build out, uh, whether it's a renovation or in this case, a brand new build uh, into that handoff, because there is oftentimes disconnect on the design portion of it that doesn't take into consideration the day to day of a facilities manager or, you know, their contractors in which they're using to help maintain that building. And at the end of the day, we want to make sure we have a safe building that lasts as long as we possibly can um, and with the minimal cost and overhead to run it. And so I think that communication goes back to, uh, again, the beginning between the architect and the operating team that will eventually take over and having a smooth uh, handoff between the two, either internal departments or even two different organizations as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, again, um, you know, we have a like obligation as like architects and like engineers to build, uh, you know, like energy, you know, like efficient, safe, uh, like buildings. It's really, you know, it's really, you know, like a passion for, for like everybody that I've met in my like industry. Um, so we feel, 
uh, you know, what it's important. And again, um, you know, if we could prove to, to like owners and to, uh, to the folks that run the building that one we can make these buildings more like energy like efficient by doing this like obviously um you know costs come into play but a lot of times um we can do things that really have little to no cost like impact to construction but we'll save the owner um a, a lot of money uh hopefully down the road um and as you know like <laughs> The one thing that has gone up in this world is inflation. So, uh, utility costs, uh, costs for for uh, for the materials and anything else, uh, even going down to the labor. Um, you know, we're conscious. You know, of those when when we do a design, but it's really the people who use the buildings that actually have a very um, uh, good pulse on what things really cost and what it's really going to take. And if we can build some of those, um, you know, those knowns into the project early on, you know, everybody uh, will benefit. Yeah. And, and I guess with that and the projects that you've had over the course of your career, I imagine you've had interactions on both ends of the spectrum with a great facilities manager or operator and then, one that may be uh, lacking uh, in that area, to say it nicely. Uh, what is something a listener can take away from? What would make or what makes for a good partner on the facility side uh, from your perspective as the architect? Sure. Um, well, you know, the biggest piece is um, the communication across the board, right? Um there's a uh, there's a, a like a process that like we use and I know a lot of uh, like EE firms do. Um, you know, it's just a um, kind of like an open uh, like issues list. But a lot of times, some of the questions like on there, it's you know, it's knowing to ask the right questions. Um, we feel that um, you know, in my experience, I haven't really had too much of the uh, the um, the uh, facility managers who weren't somewhat you know like involved with the project. So uh, I don't know if I've been just been lucky or how it's worked out, but it has been. And it's really the biggest piece is um, knowing, knowing when to ask the right questions when and what timing, because, um, you know, it's hard to, 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 to start a project and have all the like answers right away. Um, it's almost best to kind of um, know when to, know when to ask when. Um, the biggest piece of that is, um, but a lot of times when we work with, with, um, at least in like the manufacturing side, uh, there's a, you know, the, you know, there's typically like a layout. We're building a building around something that they're going to build. So we like understand that the building serves a purpose and, um, if it doesn't serve that, then we fail. So it, it's important to get what's called an early, um, kind of like idea, a process, uh, layout of how they want the actual, uh, uh, you know, you know, building to to be. The, uh, the other point about that is to make sure that everybody's aware of, um, you know, possible changes like in the future. We don't want to build a building for a year, right? We want it to be f flexible and um, work with with the company that that that, that we want to help it grow. Um, so, 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 so flexibility is important and just kind of getting to know your, your architect and like engineer early on, um, the earlier we can be having conversations, the better and less time we, we can waste really is what it comes down to. 
Yeah, it's a win-win across the board because we all are on the same team. And this is from the architect side to the operator side and even ownership where we want to have a safe building running efficiently and at the lowest cost possible. So, yeah. um, you know, just the sooner you recognize that we're all on the same team, you don't have to butt heads. The, <laughs> the uh, easier it's going to be uh, across the board. But, um, Todd, I, I do have one last question for you. I sure. ask everybody, but that is who or what has had the biggest impact on you and your career? Oh, that's been uh yeah, I've had many, many folk, folks along the line. Um, so I've been doing this for, uh, it's been out uh, 24 years and I've had a, a, a few major leaders within, uh, like the companies that I've that I've, um, kind of, uh, um, you know, you know, you kind of say, you know, pull you up by your bootstraps kind of, uh, a plan and who have been able to, uh, to shepherd me, um, you know, um, and, uh, you know, it's been, uh, you, you know, it's been a, a fun ride. And, and again, I don't want to embarrass anybody by naming names, but there are quite a few that, that I have, um, um, you know, uh, who have helped me through, through, throughout my time. And really it's just been the, um, you know, and the advice that I, then I give give to to younger staff is, you know, you, you know, you know, just give you enough room to do what you need to do, not to not to micromanage. And I've and I and I have to admit, I've I've been very little um, throughout my career, been very little uh, on the micro like side. So yes, I've had some sleepless nights wondering how I'm going to get something done or how I'm going to solve a problem. Um, but in the end, um, I have, uh, I, uh, really like appreciated the, this space. So it fits into that. It's just to, to, to allow space for people to grow. I, 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 I can't say that enough. And it's something that I, uh, um, I, that I use, um, again in Miley mentorships. Yeah, no, that, that is great advice there. And, uh, you know, I think the way that, I look at failure is one, you have to fail, but as long as you take something away from it, you learn, uh, you know, that's how we all develop and we all grow uh, both personally and professionally. And so at least having that space to your point to, uh, to fail is, uh, is important, but uh, yeah, Todd, certainly appreciate you coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and I appreciate the context and the interesting perspective you bring on uh, the architecture side. And um, I know I'm going to have uh, a little bit of recap in the show notes as uh, well as where folks could find you. Uh, but once again, Todd, thank you for coming on and uh, be good. Great. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and follow us on LinkedIn for more facilities management content.